mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 11. We're going to be beginning this week in verse 45. But by way of remembrance, just to kind of get your mind in the right place, I want you to remember that we are at the gravesite of Lazarus. Now, if you remember, Lazarus had been in the grave four days. In verse 19, Jesus said, I'm glad that Lazarus is dead so that you can see the glory of God. And Jesus has just spoken. Lazarus has a choice now. When he hears the voice of God, tell him to come forth. He has a choice. He can come out of the grave or he can stay in the grave. Listen, I believe every person ever born hears that voice. They're given a mustard seed of faith. They have a choice to come out of the grave or stay in the grave. Listen to me, because we're all born dead. Literally, we're born dead. And then when you hear that voice and you walk out of the grave, you have a choice to make. Now you have a free will choice. Do I want to die? Because Jesus says, let anyone who wants to come after me deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You were born dead spiritually because of Adam and Eve and original sin, the first Adam, and you've been given life by the second Adam who speaks. You hear his voice. He is life himself. We're going to see in chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's life in none other. But when you hear his voice, you have a choice to come out of the grave or not to. Now, literally, physically, Lazarus is dead. He was not resurrected. He was resuscitated. You, we'll read about that possibly next week. I don't know. But in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians... The first fruits have to be first. Jesus has to raise from the dead. Resurrection is um, a standing up again. It is a recovery of spiritual truth. And that's, that's really the thing that you and I need to be focused on, is a recovery of breath, a recovery of spiritual truth. See, when you recover your breath and God breathes in you and you're born again, now you need to recover spiritual truth. 
because we've been walking in lies. We've been even in the church lied to because the devil joins the church and it becomes an empty sepulcher. It becomes a grave itself if you're not careful, full of dead man's bones, full of religion. And so many people, they just listen to man and they're not listening for the voice of God. And need I remind you, as I remind you, what is the word for voice? The word for voice in the Greek is phone. It's not an accident that everybody has a phone. It's not an accident that everybody wants a phone. It's not an accident that the devil has got everybody a phone so you can hear his voice and your life is dictated by this. My time card's on here. My payroll's on here. And if you sit and look at it all day long and you're addicted to it, guess what? Your life is being controlled by what? AI. Artificial intelligence. You need to be very careful with this. This is a phone. This is a voice. And the whole world, 1 John 5, 19. Listen, I have, I have no new message. You need a relationship with the Word of God to walk out of the grave and have the grave clothes removed from you. And you need the body of Christ to help you do that. Look what he says to him. Loose him. Not loose yourself. Loose him and let him go. It's verse 44. I'm just giving a little bit of a... It's probably going to be the whole message, but we'll, we'll see. Somebody said, you just do a recap because you like to teach it again. I said, yeah, that's true. Missed some stuff. God spoke to me afterwards. You ever do that? You ever teach and listen to it? And then you go, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. Oh, I was talking to that person. I was witnessing to them. And man, that's crazy. I should have said this and this and this and the other thing. I get a chance to do that twice, three times sometimes. I've taught on, I've taught on certain scriptures four or five weeks in a row. Same scripture. It's okay. We're not in a hurry. It's already settled. It's set in heaven and earth. We're learning to be equipped to go out and do the work of the ministry. Why? Because we're going to speak, and they're going to hear the, the truth of God. They'll have a chance to hear the voice of God, and then they can come out of the grave and choose free will to still die to self, deny self, take up their cross daily, and follow Jesus. That's a choice about death. It's a free will choice that we make. The problem is, is most of the church never makes that choice. They say, oh, I said a prayer. I believe. And that's the end of it. Listen, a race starts at the starting line, but it doesn't end at the starting line. And many saints are trying to end at the starting line because they're hearing the voice of the devil in their head instead of the voice of God. There's no, and, and, and there's no... Uh, hurry. We're already saved. We're already good. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Listen, be careful not to base your salvation on just one word. Why would God give us 66 books by 40 authors, all given the same testimony over and over and over in the lives of others that have done it right or done it wrong if, if, if all we needed was one verse? It's the full counsel of God. And you can remember when in the book of Acts where Paul sits down with the Ephesian elders on the beach and he's going to Jerusalem to die for his faith because that's what salvation is. It's a choice to die. And he says, I have not failed to give you the full counsel of God. He doesn't say, I, I didn't fail to lead you in a prayer. 
He says, I have not failed to give you the full counsel of God. Remember, he taught for three years in the school there. While everybody else is taking a siesta, here's, here's Paul up in the school teaching, and everybody was coming to hear it because they were so hungry for the Word of God. What are you hungry for today? Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Are you taking off the grave clothes? Are you allowing other people to help you take off the grave clothes? See, that's what, that's what happens when you listen to counsel and you receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. It's, it's when you begin to listen to counsel of somebody that's already before you. I, I don't know if you, if, you, you know, if you came out of the lifestyle. I, did, I came out of a crazy lifestyle. Now you stop and think about where did I come from before I believed that Jesus was Lord and God raised him from the dead. And whatever that lifestyle was, listen to me, there was people that were there before you got there. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a life, maybe it's your family. And you know what? They were doing things. In my, in my culture, they were doing drugs. And we looked at them and we said, wow, we want to be like them. And we would listen to their counsel because we wanted to be cool. We wanted to be like them. And we're looking in the grave. We're looking in the tombs. We're looking at death. And we go, I want to be like that. See, it's no mistake that our children love death because you're, we're letting them look in the grave. If you never see life, you never get into the Word of God. How do you know what life is? So you keep living a death. You keep living that death over and over. Oh, I believe. What do you believe? You're living like a demon lives. Demon faith. Demon faith. They know God and tremble. They believe God and tremble. True saints are supposed to believe God and obey turn change your mind change your direction the hardest thing about the gospel it's easy to get up here and talk about it it's easy to read it out loud to you which is if i just read it out loud it would be it would be more powerful than many sermons you've heard all your life because it's living and powerful it's sharper than any two-edged sword it's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit and it's a discerner it judges the thoughts and intents of your heart isn't that what we want but if all we're doing is looking in the grave, we look really good. When I get up and I walk out there into this, this, this pit of pit dwellers that are dying and going to hell that we're called to go witness to, and I look at them, I look really good. I'm okay. I look real good when I look at what they're doing. If you look in the grave, but are you looking up? That's where you should be looking. You should be looking for His voice, listening to His voice, being led by the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. We're being led out of the grave by the voice of God, by the Word of God. You're looking onward and upward. Listen to me. Is that your experience with Christianity? Or is it culturanity? And it's all about Sunday go to meeting and then live like hell all week long. It's a personal love relationship. But we're all involved as the body of Christ, helping one another unwrap grave clothes by our witness, by our words, by our counsel, by our accountability. We help others. Why? So they can go. Different word than Matthew 28, 18, when Jesus says all authority after he rose, after he walked out of the tomb, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go therefore and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And do what? Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our calling. So we get up, others loose us and help us so we can go. But it's the Holy Spirit that sends us. But we help one another with counsel and instruction. And we encourage one another by showing up on Sunday morning, showing up at Bible study, showing up at prayer meeting. When you see people's face, you're not there for self. You're there for others. It's an others-centered, God-centered, others-oriented. When you die to self, you begin to minister to others. And when you minister to others, God can minister to you. He begins to fill you with his Holy Spirit when your intent is to go and tell others. I'm going to read the text. I still have uh, about two hours worth of message I want to give you on hearing the voice of God, uh, hearing the counsel of God, the instruction of God. You know that he's, he's actually the wonderful counselor. He's El Gabor. He's mighty God. He's the Prince of Peace. He's an everlasting father. That's who God is, and He's here with us right now, and He loves us. He's not against us. You can trust Him that He's done everything you need to lead you out of the grave. We don't have to live in death culture. We don't have to follow what the world is doing. We get our marching orders from the Holy Spirit, and it always lines up with the Word of God and the truth of God. But when we're still looking in the grave, and that's where we think our hope is going to come from, is the grave. We haven't dealt with the sin nature at all. Look at Colossians 3. We'll do a couple things here. We'll go pretty quickly and get back in. And I want to teach the text, actually. Colossians 3. We were there last week. I think if you were here, you heard that we were in Colossians 3. Oh, my goodness. Where's my couple notes I need? Colossians 3. Then in the New Testament, right after Philippians. Now, I'm not going to really, I didn't even mark it. That's interesting. I think I told you to read it last week. If you did the homework, let's see, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's on page 2192. Listen, if then you were raised, listen to me, he was just raised, Lazarus was, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. See, that's where you're at positionally, seated right there with him in heavenly places. He said that in chapter 1. And then what do you do? Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. Set your mind on life, not on death. This is a grave down here. It's all going to burn. Don't keep looking into the pit for your instruction in life, for your counsel for life. For life, it's not in the grave. Nobody goes to the graveyard to find a life. They go to the graveyard because they're visiting someone who's dead. Where's your mindset at? You know, Paul writing to the Romans said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Living, not dead sacrifice. He has no pleasure in dead sacrifices. It's a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God. It's our reasonable service. And then he says, do not be conformed to this world, to death culture, 
but be ye metamorphosis, transformed. It's a new creation. You become a new person by what? The renewing of your mind. Why? So you can prove, be the evidence of that good and perfect will of God. That's our mind. And so set your mind on things above where life is. We're citizens of heaven. We're, we're pilgrims down here. Aliens, mere passerbyers. This is not even our home. Now, what else does he say? Let's just keep reading it. It's Colossians 3.3. 3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen, if you came out of the grave and you, I mean, maybe, maybe you come out of culturanity and they said, if you just come forward to the altar and you say a prayer and you believe it's in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you're going to, and they, they did some really quick fast thing like at an auction and got you up there and got you saved and you think that really got you saved. It's the spirit of God that does the work, not man. If you come to salvation, it's because of the Spirit of God. You did have to hear the Word of God from somebody in order for it to convict your conscience, but it's not an altar unless it alters your life. And it's no longer ours if we come to salvation truly. We're playing games if not, and we're being deceived at best. Why would we go on being deceived and let a liar lie to us? The devil, oh, you're fine. You said that prayer back in 1922. You're good. You haven't ever done nothing, but you're fine. It's never changed you a bit. You haven't changed your clothes. You're still wearing the same dirty garments. Nothing is different after you met Jesus. How can you meet life when you were dead and nothing be different? How can you come out of a grave and go walking about as a witness and nothing be different? All you would have is knowledge of death. And you would witness death to other people. And the fragrance would be of death to those who are perishing. It would be life to those who come to Jesus. What fragrance are you emitting to others? When Christ, who is your life, appears... Then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, listen, therefore, verse 5, 3, 5, therefore, what is it therefore? Because of what he just said, put to death your members which are on the earth. And then he gives this whole list. Go get the tape. I'm not going to go through it exhaustively, but this is fornication. It's the word pornea. It's the word that's used for every type of sexual immorality outside of the marriage bed. Because sex is only made for the marriage bed. And it's pure and holy in the marriage bed. Anything outside of it is pornea. It's sexual immorality. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. No idolater is going to inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, this is the stuff that's in the grave. This is the stuff that we have to take off with the grave clothes. And then we're going to put on, he's going to tell you, this is, if you want to, uh, this is the dressing room of God right here in Colossians to the church in Colossae. Listen to it. Uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. I remember when I couldn't even say that word. And people laughed at me, which is idolatry. Six, because of these things, listen, six, member of man, because of these things, let me read it to you again. Because of these things, 
The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. We're called to learn to obey. We're not saved by obeying. We're saved by believing the finished works of His obedience on the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection. But if we're truly saved and the Spirit of God comes and lives in us and we've been called out of the grave, then we want to point our face like flint towards heaven, looking up and begin to think about what am I doing in my life that's still disobedient? Now, if you're truly saved, listen, there's going to be stuff in your life. We can talk about this all day long. And the Bema seat judgment is for you, not the white throne. There's a Bema seat which will burn up everything that's not done for God. Everything you do from the moment you're truly born again will still be burned up by fire. Because that's what he is. He's a consuming fire. Even right now today, everything going on in your life, good, bad, and indifferent, is a fire to burn out your desire to do what you want to do and to clearly show you that his way is better, to clearly show you that you're following him, you're following life. When you're following the American dream, when you're following Babylon and the culture here, or Rome, whatever you want to call it, when you're following self, you're looking into the tomb. You're looking into the grave. The same way we'll see in Jesus on the, the Sunday morning when the ladies come and they're all looking in the tomb. They're all going, where's Jesus at? We want to finish his burial. And, and the angel says, why do you look for the living among the dead? You're not going to find any life in the tomb. Jesus is not in there. He's risen. He has risen indeed. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's where your life is hidden at. And now he's bought us with the precious blood of Jesus. And he wants us to choose to die. Choose to lay down our desires. Choose to be living witnesses by the power of his Holy Spirit through his gifting. And become a part of a body where he's the head. And go out and tell the world. And not be afraid of these pit dwellers. Why would we be afraid of death when he has defeated it? That's why I want to get to chapter uh, 3 and chapter 15, maybe next week. Um, let's keep moving. Notice it's covetousness. It's idolatry. Everything started with covetousness. I know you've heard all your life. Oh, the original sin was the pride of the devil. No, he coveted God's throne first. And then his pride caused him to begin to whisper. And then he led a third of the angel. It was, he coveted it at first. It, it all begins with covetousness. You covet something else. How did he entice Eve? Oh, God's holding back on you. Then she coveted, and she listened to his lie, to another voice. There's something else that will make me better. No, death does not make you better. It's a lie from the pit of hell. He's a liar. That's what he does. He's a murderer from the beginning. He wants to kill you. He wants to keep you in the grave. And because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Not the sons of God, the sons of disobedience. Because God's sons are learning to be obedient in his house because... He called them out and he perfectly obeyed. And we're following the example of the one who perfectly obeyed. And the one who perfectly obeyed did it by the power of the Holy Spirit to clearly be an example to you and me that we can be led by the Spirit of God and learn that we don't have to disobey God. 
even when we look and we see it and we go, man, it's, I got to disobey him. I tell you all the time, we had a pastor in our movement and, and they were uh, early in his walk and they were smuggling Bibles into China and uh, they're getting to the airport and everybody else is lying. And he says, man, I can't lie. I can't lie. What am I going to do? And he's wrestling with this for like three days. He's got a whole bag of Bibles. And the guy says to him, what do you got in the bag? And he says, Bibles. He said, <laughs> get out of here. He didn't lie. I'm not, I'm not telling you to lie, ever. And he, and he walked right through with a whole bag of Bibles because he trusted God. And he said, I'm going to put God's word first in my life. And I'm going to trust that God can do the rest of it. Now notice, verse 7. Don't, don't miss this. Verse 6 is the sons of disobedience. We were in the grave, but we heard his voice. We come out of the grave. And 7, he begins to complete us and sanctify and wash us. And notice what it says. It's past tense. In which you yourself once walked. Walked is always how you're living. You used to live that way. That's not how we're supposed to be living now. Paul says it to the church in Corinth, and, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you're going to be justified and then purified, and one day you're going to be glorified. There's a whole process going on. Positionally, you're finished. Positionally in Christ, we're seated in heavenly places with him, joint heirs. Practically, anybody want to talk about that? Practically. How's your sin life going? How's your walk with God going? All of us. He's going to take, he took the power, he took the penalty, excuse me, he took the penalty of sin, our wrath. He took the power of sin and he wants to take the practice and the pleasure of sin from us. And then he's going to remove us in glorification from the very presence of sin one day. We need to get this stuff. See, because our identity, our identity, I was thinking about this on the way to church. Listen to me. Listen to me, crowd. Don't get mad at me. Don't write me emails. I don't answer them. Listen, I was driving to church and God clearly said to me, your identity is not your wife is dead and in heaven with me. Your identity is in Christ. I'm not going to sit around and mourn at some grave. My identity is in Christ. Are you guys with me here? Sitting around mourning at a gravesite when I know my wife is in heaven is ridiculous. It's the devil lying to me. Does my flesh hurt? Do I hurt? Do I miss my wife? You bet I do. I'd be a nut not to. But my identity is in Christ. It's always been in Christ. Her identity was in Christ. It's always been in Christ. That's what he's taught us for 25 years. To find out what your identity is. To take off the grave clothes and to put on the newness of life. And that way when the battle comes, you don't live by sight. You live by faith. You hang on to the truth that you know is there because of who God is. Not because of who you are. One proverb God gave me, your struggles today will be your strengths for tomorrow. If you listen to counsel and receive instruction, your struggles today will be your strengths for tomorrow. He allows the struggles today so you cry out for counsel and wisdom from him and it makes it a strength for tomorrow so that you can share with others. You can bless others with the truth of God. You can stand in the victory of Christ. 
not weep at the grave in the pit. It's in identity. What's your identity? Well, he tells us in every page of the Bible. So verse 7 is, you once walked. You're no longer that. You're a new creation. Verse 8, new beginning. 8 is new beginning. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. So you begin to say, wait a minute. These things are not good for me. These things are flesh. These things are, are, are leading to the other things. So you put off anger. You put off wrath. You put off malice blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Listen, when I tell people you shouldn't be cussing, I tell people you shouldn't be listening to secular music, that's because you're putting off, you're doing the natural part you can do, and when you draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. And if you do the natural part, it won't lead to the other part. You're walking away from the grave. You're looking up. You're setting your mind on heavenly things, and it takes the rest of your life. It's not something you go, oh, boy, I've been doing that for 20 years. I was walking away from the grave. Now I can start traveling back toward it like a dog that returns to his own vomit. I remember I vomited there somewhere right around one of them porcelain thrones. You know they name thrones Bema seats now? You ever seen those? I clean houses all the time. I'm in the house, and I look, and I go, it's a Bema seat. It's the Greek word for the judgment seat for the saints, Bema. Isn't that amazing? They named toilets that. Remember we used to worship around the Bema seat? Uh, you guys weren't ever doing that. You guys never did that. You get so drunk that you're bowing down to it. Never mind. That's some other crowd in Texas. You guys are. You guys have been saints all your life. <laughs> I was telling my son the other day, it's, it's interesting. I got a cast iron belly. I haven't vomited since I quit drinking. And listen, I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic still. I don't know if you believe the world in Babylon that says you're still an alcoholic and you'll always be an alcoholic. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's my identity. I don't have any struggles. I'm walking away from that. I'm new creation. Why would I worry about that stuff? But listen, I don't go hang out at the bar. That's not where I'm supposed to hang out at. I would put off that thing. I put that away. We got to get back to this because you know what? We're really teaching John chapter 11 and you guys have got me stuck over here. What are you putting off? What are you choosing by your free will to put off? New creation, new beginning, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed how in the knowledge in knowing what does john 17 3 tell us i i repeat these all the time this is eternal life that they may know you the only true god and jesus christ your son whom you sent in knowing you have to i mean listen you're not going to just come to know jesus by saying one prayer who in the world did you ever come to know intimately by just saying hi to him once? There's a relationship that takes place in the spirit realm. But because of what's going on in the spirit realm and the spirit with the word of God, you begin to take your clothes off and you're not found naked. 
You put his clothes back on and you're clothed in Christ. And it looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. You begin to be clothed in what is it? It's your wedding garment for the wedding supper of the Lamb. I was going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Matthew 22 There's a parable in Matthew 22. I don't know if you guys have seen it. You might want to read that as your homework, 1 through uh, 15 or 16, something like that. And there was this king who sent out invitations to a wedding. Remember that? And everybody makes excuses. And then, but the point I want to get to, you get way down into that parable and you get deep into all them other thoughts that are real easy. We love the other ones. And he comes across a guy sitting there and doesn't has a wedding garment on. He doesn't even have a garment on. And he says, how'd you get in here? You don't have a wedding garment on. And he had them grab him and they took him and they cast him out. And he was cast in where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because he tried to get into heaven without the wedding garment. And now if you were wondering, this is called sanctification. It's a process of following Jesus and you're being led by the Holy Spirit and you're becoming like him, conformed into his image. You're being transformed by the renewing of the mind. You're becoming a servant of God because you're what? You're a believer priest and priests serve God. How do they serve God? They serve other people and they quit serving themselves, which is what psychology teaches. We're supposed to get there. We're supposed to get there. See, when you're listening to Babylon, you're listening to a dichotomy, but you're created a trichotomy. In the garden, we were created a trichotomy in God's image. He's a trinity. We were created body, soul, and spirit. Right? No, that's wrong. Don't listen to lies. We were created spirit, soul, and body. See, I give it to you upside downward. Death is body, soul, and spirit. Life is spirit, soul, and body. Adam and Eve were created spirit. They had a soul and they had a body. Their spirit fellowship with God every day. And because they fellowship with God every day, their soul was designed to be like God. And then their body went and did was the evidence of tending and taking care of and serving and worshiping properly. And then somebody lied to them and they got flipped upside downward. What they do? They hid themselves. They didn't want to be in fellowship with God because their spirit was wrong and it wasn't in tune with God. So they hid because why? They were naked. See, we want to be not clothed with death. We want to be clothed with life. We're not standing around wanting to be naked. We're wanting to be clothed. What with the, what? the wedding supper of the Lamb's bridal gown to be like Christ when we meet Him in the air and we're going to be clothed in His clothing, not asked to leave the banqueting room. Excuse me, you don't have on a wedding garment. Go read it. Write it down. It's 22 of Matthew. You make excuses, you end up with no garment. You do your own thing, you end up with no garment. Listen, I'm not making this stuff up. You're saying, wait a minute, Greg, I've been a Christian for all these years, and and I know that all I have to do is believe. Take the rest of the Bible. If you believe the Spirit of God, God, very God, comes and lives in your heart, do you think He's going to be happy with all that sin in your heart? No, He came to full counsel you and fully clothe you and fully prepare you for the day that you would be called home and be at the wedding supper. 
How can God live in your heart and you stay in the grave when he hears the voice of God and he says, let's go, let's go this way. Come on, let's go this way. Let's go this way. He's leading you out. He's bred. Where do you think these little fairy tales we used to teach about Hansel and Gretel come from? Bread leading you out away from the witch, the warlock, the pharmacaea, the sorcery of Babylon. It leads you out and back home. All of them. Cinderella, ashes. He brings beauty from ashes. I'm not telling you to follow fairy tales. That's not my point here. It's not my point at all. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a myth. This is the words of life. But we walk around living like it's a fairy tale. We walk around thinking it's okay. I can do anything I want. All things are profitable. They're just not, or excuse me, all things are lawful. They're just not profitable. For what? For sanctification, for clothing you, for preparing you for the wedding supper of the Lamb. We're going to get there next week. Where are you at? Renewed in knowledge. It's 310B. What knowledge, Greg? I know a whole bunch of knowledge. The world gave me a bunch when I went to school. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. According to what? The image, icon, of him who created him. The image of God. It's an icon. You click on that little icon on your screen of your computer. Well, it's your phone now. I date myself. Never clicked on them. What happens? Boom. I want to know more knowledge about God. You click on the icon, you go boom, and it gives you all of it. According, that's the knowledge you want, according to the knowledge of the image of God. Why? Because we're being created in the image of God. That's what he created us for in the garden. And in that kingdom, in that life, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, skinny, slave, nor free. But what is there? Christ is all and in all. It's all about Christ in the kingdom of God. Nothing else matters. The rest of it's all physical. It's not spiritual. Therefore, want to see what it's there for? As the elect of God, holy, did you just see your identity? You're the elect of God and you're holy. You're beloved. What do we do, Greg? We go into the dressing room and we put on, here's some things you can look for. Holy Spirit, boy, I need to be tender mercies. I need some tender mercies. Bowels of mercy. Kindness. It's the goodness. It's the kindness of God that brings men to repentance. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The coming of the Lord is at hand, Paul told the church in Thessalonica. Humility, meekness, long-suffering. Boy, I'm glad God was long-suffering. Bearing with one another. That's the one another ministry in the body of Christ. And forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on what? Love chapter. Here it goes. Because without love, we're nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, put on love. Why? Because God is love. Not love is God. God is love. Don't get it backward. Or you'll be saying that God looks like what I think love is. 
It's not sloppy agape. He has set everything in place. It's purposeful. God is love, which is the bond. Here you go. Super glue, duct tape of perfection. And let, here it is, let. It's there already. Christ has brung us to peace. You have to let it. It's your choice. And let the peace of God rule. Here's the umpire. In your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful for everything. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then what happens, Greg? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Are you in the word of God? Richly, with all wisdom. And then you'll be able to nutateo, teaching and admonishing. This is the word for counseling. Teaching, it's nutateo, teaching and admonishing one another. If you know the word of God, I'll listen to you all day long. But if you come up with some snake charming, you come up with some psychology, some sociology, some, some, some philosophies of this world that cheat me out of my salvation, I'm going to call you out on it. And I get in trouble all the time for it. I was already cheated. I was cheated many times over by the devil. And I still make mistakes. But I want to be counseled by the word of God. I want to receive that instruction. I want to go and obey it. So that I can glorify him. I'm not finishing the scripture. I'm making up my own here. I want to glorify God. I didn't make up my own. It's a concept in the scriptures. We are to glorify him with our lives. Listen, you can teach and admonish. If you know the scriptures, let's talk about it. Let's reason together. Let's sit down. We'll teach them what? Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. To who? To the Lord. When, I, when we're talking right now and equipping, we're talking to the Lord. It's his body. It's his church. It's his people. It's his bride. And yet his people don't know him. They don't know his word. They don't know what they're called for. They don't know their identity. They don't know that they're still in the grave and his voice has called them out to life. And that's why we got to tell them. And whatever you do in, the, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks always to God the Father through him. Of course, name is... Character, nature, will, his authority, what he's already doing according to his entire counsel. You can't take one verse. We're not done. We're going to go read it, though. I don't know how much time I got left. Two days. Let's go back and read our text, and then we'll finish. Um, it's John eleven forty-five. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation." And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not to say on his own authority, but, but being 
high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted and put him to plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think, that he will come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. Let's pray. Father, uh, we pray that you would complete this message and you would complete us uh, until the day we see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know if you noticed that in 55, but they come up to celebrate the Passover to purify themselves. And that's what we're really talking about. When you come out of the grave, now you need to purify yourself. Well, who's, who's the ultimate one that come out of the grave? He fulfilled the Passover festival and he come out of the grave. And now we want to purify, be pure as he is pure and holy as he is holy. But we have to take off the grave clothes. We can't continue to think the same way we, we thought before and go with God. Because repentance is the first word of the gospel, and it means to change your mind. And if you change your mind, you'll change your direction. Listen to me. Repentance, metanoia, repentance. And so, I'm not done with it yet. Look at Joshua 7. I got to go there. I'm sorry. See, because we're being deceived into putting on a Babylonian garment. And the very first enemy, do you remember Joshua 7? And, and, and they, defeated eight, they defeated Jericho. And all the spoils went to God. He's the first fruits. He gets everything in Joshua. Of course, Yeshua, Yeshua means God is salvation. It's the Hebrew for Jesus. And we have Joshua who's led him across the Jordan. The law couldn't bring him across into the promised land. Only Jesus can bring you into the promised land as you follow his voice. And I don't know if you remember, he met, he met Joshua there before Jericho. Joshua was there being all tough and being all cool and being the leader. And he, wait a minute, who's that guy? And he runs over and he goes, are you for them or for us? And he says, no, but as the commander of the army of the living God, I have come. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. It was Jesus, a Christophany, standing there before him. And he said, no. He didn't answer him. I was on either side. And a lot of times you find yourself in an argument about the physical, the physical world. God's not on any side of that. He's doing his will, not man's will. Man's got their own plans. Babylon wants to deceive you into following their plans. When we get to Caiaphas, the high priest that is not really the high priest even. If you look in Acts, you find out that the true high priest was Annas. But Annas wouldn't go along with the Roman government, so they took his son-in-law, Caiaphas, and made him high priest. And Caiaphas comes from Chaldean, which is the Babylonian government. 
That's where the land of Shinar is where that comes from, where the, where the whole culture in Genesis chapter 11 of the Tower of Babel, where they wanted to make a name for themselves instead of follow the name above all names, where they wanted to make their own government and escape judgment of God. So they built these, these uh, ziggurats that were higher than the water was, and they could escape the judgment of God. And Nimrod, which means rebellious, he was a great hunter before God seeking souls. And he deceived everybody into following his sorcery, his voice through fear. And it's still going on today. It was going on in Jesus' day. They were apostate and Caiaphas is telling them what to do. And God can use an apostate person to speak truth. Listen, you can have an entire apostate church and the preacher get up there and read the word of God and the word of God will not return void. It will accomplish what it's purpose to do. But it doesn't mean that the messenger was true. It doesn't mean that the heart's intent of that messenger was right. And it doesn't mean that the direction was right. Do not miss that the entire content of that was that they would lose their place, their power, their pomp, and their nation. Because that's what's going on right now with Babylon. They've got all the Christians stirred up in a physical fight. They're choosing a party and they're fighting over the nation. And both of them think that they're going to lose their place and their power and their nation if they're not in control. And all Jesus sent us to do was to proclaim the gospel. That's, this ain't my home. I ain't caught up in your battle. You need to know Jesus. That's what you need to know. And you'll stop following the Chaldean Babylonian, Babylonian sorcery. That was the Magi. That was the astrologers. The Chaldeans, they were the sorcerers. They were the deceivers. Babylon means confusion by mixing if you don't know your identity you'll fall for anything are you coming out of the grave are you taking off the old nature the sin nature that that is that is full of wrath it's full of lies and putting on the newness of life are you putting on christ are you putting on truth are you spending time in the word prayer and fellowship that's how god adds to the numbers of his house Acts 2.42. Chapter 7, I don't know if you know. Let me just, my goodness. I don't have enough time to do these. You guys are going to have to come back for Bible study. They take Jericho by listening to God's voice. What did God tell them? Get all your, your chariots and get all your men and get all your swords, get all your rocks, get all your arrows. No, he said, march around the place. Just walk with me. Just obey my voice. Walk around it for seven days. On the seventh day, walk around it seven times. And then what did he say to do? Then start cutting away at the wall? No, he said, shout to the Lord. And the walls fell down. You want the walls in your life to come down so you can receive with meekness the implanted word? Then shout to the Lord. Trust the Lord. And he said, everything in there is mine. The first fruits of the land is mine. I'm the one delivering you. I'm the first fruit of the resurrection. I'm the first fruits from the grave. It's all about me. All in all about me. It's not about us. We come to church and go, how can I grow? How can I get? How can I go? How can I live the American dream and some culturanity? How about how can I die? Since a perfect God came and gave me life. How can I die to self and do your will, O God? the way your son did.
So they're rejoicing. They're having fun. Most Christians do that. I said a prayer. They told me I was saved. Everything's good. I don't have to do nothing else. The next battle's coming. It's AI, artificial intelligence. It's AI. It's not a mistake, people. It's not a mistake that the city's called AI. And they're like, ah, you know what? We're rejoicing in this great salvation. We don't need to send very many people. Send 3,000 down there and kick their butt to our little bitty town. We just shouted to the Lord and we're great. And AI sends them packing like, oh, I can't say that. That's not politically correct to say like girls, is it? Sends them screaming like girls. I'm still from old school. I don't care. I scream like a girl sometimes. Is that a bad statement? But that makes some women feel terrible, doesn't it? You need, to, you need to go to Christ. I'm not trying to make you feel terrible. Know your identity in the flesh. Learn to recognize your flesh and learn to recognize what God has made you and die to your flesh. See, if you don't know who Christ is, you won't even know what your flesh is. You can't see the grave unless you see life. Anyway, send them packing. And Joshua was like, why did you call us out for? Why would you let such a thing happen? Listen, receive the good and the bad from God. God says there's sin in the camp. What do you mean there's sin in the camp? He said, in the, I'm paraphrasing, in the morning, call a roll. And go from one family to the next family to the next family. And it falls upon Achan's family. Achan means uh, a troubler. Listen, sin in the camp is a troubler. Listen to me, it's akin to a rebellioner. It's akin to Nimrod, which is a rebellion. A troubler is in the camp. Why? Because he saw a Babylonian garment. Sorcery. He saw something else that he thought, if I put this garment on, if I get this garment, and he saw some silver and gold. And if you go read the text, I'm not reading the text. I want you to read the text. I want you to have a relationship with God. And it only comes through surrendering and getting into the word of God and finding out what he's saying to us. And you know what he did? He took silver. Silver is redemption. Gold is deity. He took that silver which is, represents salvation, he hid it underneath the Babylonian garment. And if you're still looking in the grave, you're hiding your salvation underneath the Babylonian garment. And your sorcery is deceiving you. And that's what the Chaldeans are. They're a bunch of magicians, a sleight of hand, and they want to deceive you. They want you to believe their lies. They want to control your life with AI. They want to control your life with all this. And I'm giving you the, I'm giving you the small Reader's Digest condensed version of this chapter because of time. There is, you, could write, you could write a whole year of sermons on this one chapter about what we're supposed to do once we receive the truth of the first fruits that Jesus is Lord and we know it. We should be shouting. And it affected others. He was a troubler. When your sin is in the body of Christ, it affects others. But he's seen this Babylonian garment instead of a wedding garment. His eyes were in the wrong place because he listened to the devil. And he's seen the money and he wanted the pride of life. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. I want Jesus, but I want this world also. Repentance is changing your mind, changing your direction. Nothing good down here in the grave. It's all going to burn. And him and his whole family died and became a rock pile. 
because he saw it. He had to have it. He took it and he hid it in his house, his tent. See, these are earthly tents. We get a new dwelling place in heaven. What's hidden in your tent today? What is the stone that's over the grave that keeps you from hearing the voice of God and coming out? With Achan, this troubler, it was a Babylonian garment. He wanted to be like the world. He wanted to dress like the world. Isn't that what they did? Give us a king like the world. We don't want you to rule over us. And God said to Samuel, Samuel, don't be mad at them. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Listen, when we ignore the word of God, you're rejecting God. You're not believing in God when you don't want to hear what he has to say. You're not believing in God when you don't want to follow his spirit that's been sent. You're not, we're all rejecting him when we reject the word of God and the truth of God that transforms the man and the woman of God into the, glory, into the image of God for the glory of God. Remember that? Anybody remember that? When the man of God and the woman looks into the word of God, and sees the Son of God, you're transformed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for ourselves. What can I get out of the Word of God? What can I get out of church today? No, we're looking for Jesus. When you see Jesus, you'll want to follow Him. Achan and his whole family died. It affected everybody. Then what happened, Greg? Then he says, now go back to battle. The same thing you were doing, but get the sin out of the camp. Now go back to battle. And they destroyed Ai. But they did it God's way. Let me give you another testimony. What about Moses? He was raised in Pharaoh's house. And he tried to kill one soldier and couldn't hide him. But then when he listened to God and he got the sin out of the house, he got the flesh out of the house, and he was clothed on the backside seminary, uh, tending sheep. God was able to destroy the entire nation. All the works of the devil. When he clothed himself in righteousness, when he believed in God. So listen to me. We're all born dead. And Christ is life. And he come to save that which was lost. That which was dead. The wages of sin is death. And when he speaks to Lazarus, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, you guys remember this? Mary is their rebellion. Martha, his sister, is she was rebellious. Lazarus is an Old Testament type of uh, Eleazar. It comes from Eleazar, which was one who comes alongside to help, a type of the Holy Spirit. And Lazarus means him whom God helps. Only God can help you walk out of the grave. Only Joshua can lead you across the Jordan. Listen, only Yeshua can bring you up out of death because he's life incarnate. He's the word incarnate. He's the light of the world into the dark grave. You roll away the stone and you go, wow, I heard his voice. I'm going to go toward that voice. I was watching cops yesterday. Don't tell nobody. It was my wife's favorite show, Cops. And uh, it's hard to watch. I'm like, I can't watch this. We watch this together. I don't care nothing about cops. But my wife loved this show. You know what I do? I sit there and degrade it the whole time. Really? You're giving them a ticket for meth and sending them home? I need some reparations. Because they put me in prison for less. 
I said, turn. anyway, you know what they say is, they say, turn around, raise your shirt up, walk back to my voice. And they give you these commands, and it's deadly if you don't listen to the voice. You could be deadly. You might get shot if you don't listen to that voice. And you should see, a lot of people are afraid when they, when they start yelling like that. Do we not fear God that we would hear his voice and be let out of the grave? And he loves us. He's not going to kill you. He might chastise you. Do you guys remember the blind slalom skiers? I've shared that with you. I like to repeat them. Best teacher. Remember the people that were blind and they wanted to ski also because we don't leave anybody out? And here they are in the flats listening to their instructor, listening to their instructor. And you know what they had to learn? They wanted to know that instructor's voice. There's all kinds of other noises out there saying, turn in here, turn in here, do this. And they had to learn exactly what the voice of their instructor sounded like. Because when they started coming down the hill and he said, left, right, left. It was imperative that they knew the voice and obeyed the command because they couldn't see. You and I cannot see the spiritual realm. And when the Lord tells us to do something, it's because he knows what's coming tomorrow. He knows what's going on in the spirit realm. He knows what the enemy's doing, and he wants us to articulate and learn his voice so that we'll obey him no matter what. Do it now so you can do it when the hills come, when the rocks come, when the storms come. Learn to do it in the flats. Receive counsel, or excuse me, listen to counsel. That means hearing it with an intent to obey it. Listen to counsel and receive instruction. That you may be wise in your latter days. Okay, listen. The troubler Achan got his eyes on the wrong garment. Where's your eyes at? You want your eyes on being clothed in Christ Jesus. Your eyes on being clothed in Christ Jesus. A couple more verses, and uh, I'll read them to you. You can go there if you want. Romans 13, 14. Um, actually, I'm going to read all of it. 13, 11. And do this, knowing that the time now is high time to awake out of sleep. Are you asleep? For now our salvation, our deliverance from the sin nature, from the grave, is nearer than when we first believed. The word believe is pistio. You trusted Christ. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off, take off the old garments, the grave clothes, the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Who's the light of the world? John chapter 8. Let us walk, that's how you're living, properly as in the day, just like we're already there, daytime, even though we're down here in this dark grave, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on, here we go again, the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And you can look at Galatians 3 yourself. Galatians 3.27 is another exhortation to do the same thing. The testimony doesn't change. The salvation doesn't change. The deliverance doesn't change. What happens is, is we change the deliverer. 
we change the message. We change the Word of God, and we make it more palatable for the flesh so that people come back and they put money in the tithe plate, and you can build your little kingdom down here and go on listening to the Chaldeans and the Babylonians, and you can be important, and you don't even know that you're deceiving yourself, which is the only real deception there is. But be doers and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. O camel knees, James tells us, because we deceive ourselves. The devil has no power over you. The devil has no power whatsoever unless you listen to his lie and you believe it and follow it because you don't want to hear the voice of the one that's leading you out of the grave. And what happens is, is when he says this, Verse 45 of chapter 11 of John, the gracious gift of God, Jonathan. Then many, Megas, oh my goodness, you going there? Uh, my brain went crazy. The Magi, that's where Maga comes from. I don't care which side you're on, they're both wrong. That's Magi, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. That's where Maga comes from. All you Christians that want to follow Maga instead of Jesus. Listen, there's a plan afoot with lying signs and wonders to deceive the elect if it were possible. What I want to know is if you are the elect, if you are, then put on Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. Stop following the world. Stop being deceived into fighting a physical battle over flesh and blood. It's not our battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, we're supposed to take up the whole armor of God so that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Oh, sorcery? Oh, rebellion? Oh, Chaldeans? Oh, Babylonians? It's all the same stuff. If it's not Jesus, I can guarantee you it's the spirit of Antichrist. If it's not his voice, it's some other voice that's lying to you. I don't care what they're preaching. If it's not preaching Jesus, you need to be very, very careful. And the only way you're going to recognize that is to begin to sit down and go, Okay, Lord, instead of Jeopardy, I'm going to read the Bible. Okay, Lord, instead of will of fortune, some of us can't do Jeopardy. I can't. I, I used to love Jeopardy. I could kill it. And then I got saved. And the only, only category I can win now is, give me Bible for 1,000. That's the only category I can get now. All the rest of them I go, huh? Who? I'm serious. And that's the way we all should be. This is not our home. Why would we know all the dead man's bones and not know Jesus? Why would we know all the football and baseball and basketball stars and not the disciples? Why would we know everything about the soap operas and nothing about the kingdom of God that's supposed to be in our heart? I'm not being mean. I really am not. I'm, I'm saying wake up and smell the coffee. He's getting ready to come and we're going to miss him again just like Israel did. Because we're listening to a battle about fighting for a nation. We're listening to a battle about everything except for reconciliation of souls, which is the only thing he's called us to do. 
So many of the Jews, notice it's uh, Jews at this time, the church was really all Jews, who had come down and they're mourning, they're crying with Mary, their rebellion, the Jews with their rebellion, that's her name, and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. See, when you see what Jesus has done, you're going to believe in him. You'll hear about it, just like the woman at the well. She went back and told all the men in the city about what Jesus had said and told her everything about her life. And then they came and listened to him and they believed because of him, not because of her. If you're only believing because of a witness and you don't have a personal relationship, you're not coming out of the grave. You're not putting on the newness of life. You're not being transformed. You're not learning to be a witness. Uh-oh, did you really go there? Yeah, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power, dudamus, where we get dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a martyreus, one who dies for their faith, a martyr for your faith, so that you can be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what we're called to do. He called us out of the grave, and now we have to make a free will choice. Are we going to die and become witnesses in this grand courtroom to the glory of God. Many believed, and then, but some of them just went away and gossiped and talked about it. They weren't believing Jesus. They went away and told the ruling authorities, look at it. But some of them, they watched a dead man get out of a grave because of his voice. They seen the same testimony. They all became witnesses, but some became witnesses for Babylon. And all they wanted to do was talk about the church and talk about what he said and talk about what he did, but they didn't want to receive it in their heart and see life come from a dead man's body walking out of the grave. Let's just go talk about people. Let's just go talk about all that Jesus did. Not being a witness, just a gossiper. Let me, let me quickly say, if you're not actively involved in helping take somebody's grave clothes off, if you're not actively involved in putting on your wedding garment, then you're not going to be a good witness. And people are going to know. And they're not going to receive the witness. And it's going to be done in the works of the flesh. Because if you're not cooperating with the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit, then you're going in the flesh. You've, you've heard the truth, and you're going to go talk about it, and you think you're witnessing, but you're really gossiping. You're really just talking about something that some guy did. There's no power behind it. There's no leading of the Holy Spirit with it. You have to actively begin to deal with your life. Not perfectly, but heart toward home. Heart toward home. Is your heart turned toward home? Well, what happened when all this happened? When they, these people went back and told the uh, Pharisees, remember Pharisees, the separated ones? Pharisees and Sadducees, there's the Sanhedrin made up of 70 people with the high priest over them. And they're arguing all the time because the Pharisees believe in angels and resurrection, but the Sadducees don't. They're just a bunch of mafia. They only believe in the first five books. That's, the, that's who they go back and tell. And gathered a council. So they, went, they said, we got to have a meeting. A council, that's the Sanhedrin. And said, what shall we do? It actually in the King James says, what do we? 
For this man works many signs. Notice what they confess. They're witnesses too. They knew he was doing it. They knew that the power of God was there. Remember, one of them came by night in chapter 2. Listen to me. It's very important. Everybody knows that Jesus is real. The decision is, do you want to hear his voice and come out of the grave? God has given everybody a mustard seed of faith to know that he is true. You have to teach it out. You have to resist it. You have to fight against it. You have to choose to go to hell. But you have to choose also to listen to God. It's a choice. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't want any more angels. He wants people that will freely, because he first loved us, choose him and follow him. And he promises to do all the work if we'll just listen and choose him freely. He's not looking for tall, dark, and handsome. He's not looking for short, fat, and dumpy. He's looking for faithfulness. He's looking just for people that will be faithful to hear his voice and follow. He'll do all the work. Now notice what they say because it's Babylonian, it's, it's sorcery, it's rebellion, it's a picture of the devil in the garden. If, here's what they concluded, if, here's what they came to, we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. Stop! 99.9% .9 truth. Just like the devil. Think about that. If you leave it alone, God don't need no help. Everybody will believe in Jesus. When you see somebody come out of the grave, but, look what it says. It says, and, but, the Romans will come, the government will come, and take away both our place and our nation. And they say, they've got to make it a battle. We can't just let him do what he's doing. Isn't it the opposite? Isn't it upside down? See, because when you come to Jesus, when you come to Jesus, now you have peace, you have rest. You're not a troublemaker anymore. But see, the world wants us to believe that it's the church that's the enemy right now. The world wants us to believe that it's those who don't believe the lie are the ones that's causing all the ruckus. It's always upside downward. The Christians weren't causing a ruckus coming to Jesus. They were sitting down quietly and listening to him. They were coming to salvation. They were stopping their rebellion. They were going away and living a different life. Why would the Romans be mad about that? So there's a truth there, but then there's a lie there because what? They lose their place, their power, their pomp. They're going to lose their position. That's really what's going on. Envy. They're coveting what's going on. That everybody's coming to him. False assertion. It's actually the same one that was made. You can go read it. Genesis 11. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us build a tower. Because if we don't, we're going to be scattered across the whole land. What happened? God came down and seen they were building a tower and scattered them. It's set in place. You can't stop what God is doing. So they told the lie and created the problem. That's what the government's doing today, the, the sorcery that's going on. They're telling the lie to create the anxiety and the fear which creates the problem. 
It's false. It's, 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 it's a magi. It's deception. The interesting thing is, um, take away is the same word for roll the stone away. Same word. Now you can roll back the gravestone and come out and hear the voice of God and follow God, or you can get caught up in taking away the battle, the physical battle of them taking your place in your nation. It's the whole world, though. This is not about America. This is about God bringing judgment as he laughs at them in derision and their plans in heaven. Go read it. It's Psalms chapter 2. I almost brought it into where we'd read it, too. And he says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. You know, in Amos 8.11, he says that there's coming a time when he will bring a famine on the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for hearing the word of God. Because he's given people time to listen. He's given people time to obey. And he brings a famine for hearing. Well, why hearing? The word's going nowhere. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. But hearing it, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But when you hear the Word of God, the connotation is the same as in 1920 of Proverbs. Listen to wisdom, because you hear it with the thought that I'm going to obey it. That's the way my heart is going. I don't have a double mind where I'm going to hear God's truth and then go, wait a minute, that's not what I was looking for. But it's singleness of mind, singleness of spirit, because we're married and he's the head and we're following our husbandmen out of the grave and into heaven. Only way out. Singleness of mind. If God said it, then we're going to do it. Well, I can't see that. Don't have to see it. We walk by faith, not by sight. Go do it. He'll do the work. He'll do the rest. He'll be glorified. You don't need to do anything except trust him and go. And make disciples. Where are we at? We are on the first of my 13 closings. So they gather a council because they've heard that everybody's witnessing that Jesus calls people out of the grave. The miracle is now bigger than opening the eyes of a blind person. 49. And one of them, Caiaphas. Caiaphas, it comes from the Chaldean language. And that's where we tie this in. Listen, Caiaphas being high priest that year. Listen, high priest was for life with God. Believer priest is for life with God. It's not something, I'm going to be a believer priest this week and then next week I'm going to go out there and do this other thing. If the Spirit of God is in you, the Spirit of God has sealed you until the day of redemption. And God is going to treat you like a child. And if you're not obeying, He's going to spank your butt. Spiritual woodshed, here I come. Because He trains His children. And He's going to remove them from the front yard before He comes to bring wrath upon the sons of disobedience. Listen to me. If you're truly a child of God, you're not going to be without chastisement. So if you're not actively looking to take off the grave clothes and put on the newness of life, and you're not getting chastised, then you need to say, God, am I even saved? Listen, the evidence proves it. 
When you're being transformed, there is evidence that proves the perfect will of God. What's God's will? That all would come to repentance. They would change their mind. You would be a living witness, a trophy of grace on his mantle in his house that people go, wow, something different about him. There's a dynamic that's going on that can only come from the Spirit of God. Oh, no, there can be dynamics that come from other spirits. But if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, that's the other spirits. Test the spirits. Become Bereans that search the Scriptures daily to find out if what I'm saying is true. Caiaphas. He's not really the high priest. You can read about that over in Acts chapter 4. You'll see Annas and Caiaphas. You'll see in the trial, they led him away first to Annas's house because he's the true high priest. And then to Caiaphas, because that's the one the Romans allowed to rule the people. But all the Jewish nation believed Annas was the high priest. Said to them, he's speaking, they're going to listen because he's the mob boss. You know nothing at all. Let that rest for a while with your woke crowd. You know nothing at all. I didn't say any of you guys were woke crowd. But that's what they want to tell us. You don't know nothing at all. You have to listen to our Babylonian sorcery and we'll tell you what the truth is. You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Notice what they're worried about. Four times I think the word nation is in here because they're so worried about the nation. So worried. We just seen where, you know what they did in, in, in uh, uh, 2 Kings 25, last paragraph, Gedaliah is the king. Gedaliah was just made the king. His name means uh, God is righteous. You know what they did? Because he wasn't political, they killed him. Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't be political with them. He said, God said, Obey the word of God. God said, surrender to what Babylon was doing and don't fight against the judgment of God. So they came and killed him. The royal family did. Pretty interesting. It's, it's the same testimony over and over and over and over in the Bible. Obey the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Believe in the provision of God. Well, what's the provision of God for salvation? To lead us out of the grave. It's the word of God. So why would we not want to find out about the provision? It's the bread of life. It's the light of the world. It's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the great I am, the self-existing one. He loves you. He came for this very purpose to lead you out, and we fight against him. And we'll listen to the government. Well, they said, well, didn't you hear the news today? No, I didn't. That's bad news. I'm looking at the good news. I want good news. And sometimes the good news is, is, hey, you're under judgment and you need to obey the word of God even while you're under judgment. Hey, this is chastisement. You need to obey the word of God while you're being chastised. Hey, you've walked away from your first love. You need to come back to your first works and surrender at the throne. I'm sorry. I get excited up here and I forget what time it is.
So he actually prophesies. Um, he's a false prophet. But he gives again truth inside his false prophecy. What does the devil do? What does he say to Eve? He gives her 99% truth. It's the same way with us guys. 99% obedience is disobedience. 99% obedience is disobedience. If your heart knows you're being disobedient, then you need to say, Lord, my flesh stinketh. It's in the grave again. How do I stop doing this? And he's already taken the power and the penalty. So he is perfectly capable of leading you away from that stinking grave, that stinking sin, that stinking boulder. But we don't want to obey his voice. We want to ignore him and keep enjoying our sin, which is enjoyable for a season. But it brings death. It always brings death. When it's full blown, James says, it brings death. Always will. It'll put you back in the grave. And if you see the old man sticking his head up out of the grave, kick him right in the face. Kick him hard, too, because he'll try to trick you and grab your foot. Kick him. Fifty-two. Oh, where am I at? Fifty-one. Now this he did not say, commentary from the Holy Spirit on his own, and then authority. Notice it's an italic, so it's not really in the real text. Now this he did not say on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied, foretelling truth. That's what prophecy means in this day, that Jesus would die for the nation. There's nation the third time. And not only for the nation... There it is the fourth time. But who? The same thing Jesus said. Notice the truth scattered inside of this false prophecy that keeps you going when you listen to the false church, the apostate church, the Babylonian government that's inside the church. Notice it's in here because Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, I have sheep of other pastors who will follow me. There'll be one fold. And now he is saying this inside of his falseness because there's false teachers out there that are speaking truth, but they're sowing in the lie of sorcery with it. And you don't want any poop in your brownies. Huh? Some of you know that. A couple of you giggled. You remember that the, 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 the kids wanted to go watch the movie? They wanted to go see the movie, and they said, everybody's doing it. Come on, Dad. We want to go watch that movie. And he said, nope, you can't go watch it. He said, are they cussing it? And they said, yeah. He said, nope, you can't watch it. So they got mad and stomped upstairs, and he started, he got some brownies out, and he started baking some brownies, and you could smell it pretty soon. The whole house just had the fragrance of brownies. And here they come, easing down to the table, and he cut them both a brownie, and he set it before them. He said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I just want you to know. There's a little poop in them brownies before you eat them. But see, we don't mind with our spirit. We don't mind it. There's a whole bunch of poop in the spiritual food. And that's upside down. That's grave tripping. That's upside down. It's pit dwelling. We don't regard anything as flesh and blood anymore. We don't want any poop in our spiritual food. In fact, if it goes in through a brownie, your body will pass it and it will go in and it's not even going to harm you. It's what comes out of your heart that defiles a man. And if it's not the word of God, your heart's not being washed and cleansed. You're not being clothed in Christ Jesus. You're still living in the grave. We got to keep moving, boy. I, I think I'm going to fall asleep. Ah, I'm just kidding. Notice. 
nation. He's gathering what? Here's that word again from John, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 11. Scattered. There it is again. We got to build these towers. We got to have our own government. We got to have this sorcery or, or we're going to be scattered. Notice what he said. They're scattered. That's what God is doing. They strike the shepherd and the sheep are scattered. And God's the one coming down here and, and bringing home those that are his. And in fact, over in Matthew 12, 30, this was our memory verse once. I'm just going to read it to you. Matthew 12, 30. Do you remember this? Well, let's do 29. And it's really the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the text where they're saying Jesus cast out demons by uh, uh, Beelzebub. Remember that? Now let's look at a different way of looking at it. Look at verse 29. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? What did Jesus just do? He just spoke and plundered death. He just spoke and death had to let loose of the dead and Lazarus became the living. He's the strong man. He's the one with the strength. He's the one that can speak and bring us out of the grave. But I got you here for verse 30. He who is not with me, meta, he who is not with me, meta, that's that word. It's not paracletus, one who comes alongside. It's meta. Why do we have meta on your phone when you turn it on? Because you're either with Jesus or you're against Jesus. You're with meta. If you're not with me, they mock us. They mock us. My people perish for lack of knowledge. They mock us in our face. They're doing it right out in the open. And all we have to do is read the word of God and spend time with God. And he'll show us clearly that they're mocking us. Blindly with delusion, we follow the grave trippers. The seduction of this pharmakeia. Sorcery. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Listen, if you're not actively looking to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation of souls, how's that, Greg? Hearing the voice of God and coming out of the grave and being a witness? Then you're scattering still. You're part of the confusion. If you can't find out your identity and stand on truth and tell others, don't know. Let's go look in the Bible and find out. Don't know. Let's pray about it. I, I don't have an answer for that, but I bet God does. Oh, yeah, I know the answer for that one. Stop it. Confess it. You know, that's what Joshua said to Achan. Even in his death, he said, give glory to God. Confess it, man. The lot has fell upon your tent. There's sin in your camp. Give glory to God and confess it. That's what has to happen in order for us to be washed and cleansed. When we fall short, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession means to agree with God. It means to change your mind about what you did when God tells you it's sin. Okay. I know, I'm beating you guys to death. It's Mother's Day and you want to go celebrate Mother's Day and eat food. But the bread of life is the greatest thing you can do. Listen, I want to tell you guys, husbands, greatest thing you can do, love God and love your wife. That's the greatest thing you can do for your kids. Be an example of loving God and loving your bride. 
That's what Jesus says. He loved the Father and he loved his bride so much that he did what? Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water through the word that he might present her to himself a, a spotless and clean church without wrinkle or bride without wrinkle or any such thing. And I'm paraphrasing. And then he says, I speak of a mystery. I'm speaking of Christ in the church. Washing of the water through the word. Led by the Holy Spirit in the word. Not in the world. We're going to close. I promise. If you're not gathering with him, you're scattering. And what happened? Then from that day on, verse 53, they plotted to put him to death. If you go look over in Luke or one of the other testimonies, they already wanted to put him to death. They just feared the people. That's all that's going on in the government right now. They fear what the people will do. We've got to get the guns away from them because what are they going to do? It's all a subterfuge. It's all a lie. They already in their heart are murderers from the beginning. And now they're just looking for opportunity and then they find Judas. Remember him? He's willing to put a Babylonian garment and 30 pieces of silver in his pocket. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to the city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. Now listen, he's not afraid. It's not his hour yet. See, he's on a timetable. It's set. He knows exactly when he's supposed to come in. How do you know, Greg? Because the next, the next verse, 55, and the Passover of the Jews was near. See, he can't come in until the tenth of Nisan. The next text we see is going to be him sitting at a table with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha at Bethany on the 8th of Nisan. There's a new beginning. He's come to Jerusalem. He waits there at that city until the 10th of Nisan. And then remember he tells the boys, there's a guy, go over there. You see the, uh, the, 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 the colt, get it, loose it, bring it, say the master has need of it. Because it's the tent in the sun that you would choose the lambs for the Passover festival. And then he's going to come riding in triumphantly. We'll see that in chapter 12. And they'll say, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save now. And they choose him as the lamb of God until they're stirred up by sorcery till they're stirred up by the ruling authorities the lying apostate prophets and then they say barabbas give us barabbas which means son of the father see they listen to another voice and that's always the problem are you listening to the voice of god or are you being led by the voice of the antichrist be careful what voice you're listening to God doesn't change. His voice never changes. Never changes. Still small voice. He's not in all that commotion. He's not in all that fight. He's at peace. He's long-suffering. He's waiting. You can rest. Get alone before Him. My house should be a house of prayer. Spend time with Him. And make sure it lines up with the Word of God. Ephraim means double fruit or, or fruitful. That's where he goes and hangs out with his disciples. Remember that? Jacob, or excuse me, wrong name. 
Jacob is, is in, he's actually apostate at that time or backslidden. And his son Joseph goes down to Egypt and then they give him a bride. And his first son is Manasseh, forgetful, making him forget the testimony of the grave. And then his second one is Ephraim, which means fruitful. And he begins to bear fruit in his new life. Well, what, that, what happens? He becomes a leader. What happens then, Greg? He orchestrates the salvation of all the people because there's seven years of famine and there's seven years, or excuse me, seven years of plenty and then what? A famine for hearing the word of God. And the government controls all the trade lines and all the food and then controls the people and they sell their very soul to the Chaldeans or it's the Egyptians then. They just hide behind another front. It's still the world. It's still the devil. It's still the spirit of Antichrist. Then what happens, Greg? Jacob comes down, whose name is Israel. It was Jacob, the supplanter, the deceiver. He changes his name to Israel, which means one governed by God. What does he do, Greg? He comes down to the, 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 the government, the Pharaoh, the ruling authority, and he blesses him because he knows his identity. Listen, you've got a message. You are a witness. You should know your identity, and you should go out and bless others by telling them the truth. And don't shut up. Stand up. Speak up. We have the truth. So the Passover is near. Uh, many went from the country because all adult males had to come up and celebrate it up to Jerusalem, teaching peace. That's what Jerusalem means. Before the Passover, uh, the festival that became known as unleavened bread to purify themselves. Well, what? You have to purify yourself? That's what we're talking about here, people sanctification, purification. You come out of the grave and now your spirit is married to God and it's perfect, but he wants to sanctify you body, soul, and spirit, all three parts. And now we begin to freely say, I want to die so you can change the way I think, the way I act and what my hands do, what my feet do, what my mouth says. Full sanctification, full washing, full cleansing. They did it in the temple with the bronze sea. They held 12,000 gallons of water. Then they sought Jesus. Boy, wouldn't that be nice if everybody would seek Jesus for the right reason? They're just wanting to gossip. They're just wanting to find out if he'll come down. Oh, he's coming real quick, guys, for his church. He's coming down. Believe me, he's in full control. They're not in control. Then they sought Jesus. In Hebraism, it means to worship. But in this word, they're just looking to find him physically. And spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was. Do you know where Jesus is at? Do you know your identity? Do you know he's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession right now for you and me? Listen, if he can get himself there, don't we don't want to follow him? That's where we want to be. It's seated with him. And positionally we're there, but practically we know we're down here. Practically he's taken the pleasure of sin from us. Do you know where he's at? For the right reason? Are you a witness for the right reason? He should report it that they might seize him. And they wanted to take him captive. They wanted to arrest him. Remember the last time they did that? They sent the guards and the guards come back and they go, where's he at? They go, nobody ever spoke like he did. 
They had dumbness all over their face. They couldn't do nothing. They couldn't even arrest him. They heard him talking and they go, nobody ever spoke like that. Remember, it's his voice you want to hear. It's his voice that's calling you out of the grave. It's his voice that's calling you out of the pit. It's his voice that's calling you out of darkness, out of your sin nature, out of your old life into the newness of life. It's a new and living way. Let's go walk in it. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and to give us power to go out and be a blessing to others. And let's find out what our gifts and talents and abilities are. Why did he call us out of the grave? It's not because of us. It's because of him. There's nothing good in us. Father, thank you that we can have fellowship with you. Thank you that you're knocking at our heart's door. And if we would just hear your voice and open the door, you'll come in and dine with us. And we can eat with you the bread of life. Help us to receive that counsel, Lord. Help us to be those that overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we do not love our life to the death. Pour out your spirit upon these. Bless them as they go out, Lord, and don't let the birds steal any of the food or seed that was put in their hearts, Lord. Wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk, lest we perish. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?